The same day that God renews his promise and his covenant faithfulness with Abraham, Abraham says, all right, I'm done messing around. God, I'm going to follow you today. Welcome to Elevate Retake. My name is Danae, and I'm going to be your host for this season. Now, on Elevate Retake, you can expect to hear the biblical messages of Michael Gibson. He's the pastor for Elevate, which is a community fellowship in Keene Church. Now, I want you to experience faith as that continual everyday process of learning. It doesn't just happen once. We need to learn more about the Bible, helps us learn more about ourselves, and ultimately our goal to learn more about God. And I believe this podcast will be just what you need to come a little bit closer in your relationship with God and make it real. If you haven't listened to the first few episodes of this season yet, you would definitely want to. Today, we continue wandering our very first season that follows the wandering life of Abraham, the patriarch of Genesis. This episode asks the question, what do you think it would take for God to get your attention? If you're like me, sometimes it takes a literal hit on the head in order for God to get my attention, which literally happened to me in 2005 when I was doing a gymnastics move and broke my neck. God spared my life and it got my attention. For God, it took changing Abraham's name and the name of his wife to get their attention. Let's join Pastor Michael now for today's episode, Named. You are loved. We're thankful that you're here. We're thankful that you're joining online. As we begin this morning, I want to throw this question back up on the screen, our engaged question for the day. What's, it, what, it's what gets our, our mind kind of turning and of the topic that we're going to be covering. What do you think it would take for God to get your attention? I've been thinking about that question this week, and in light of what's been going on, and I was thinking about, hey, what do I, what do I say about coronavirus and how that ties into to God and his word? And I think this might be at least the best response that I've come up with. It's found in scripture. It may be what God is using to get our attention. It comes from Psalm 91. It says, those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust in him for he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from every deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night nor the error that flies in the day. Do not dread the infectious disease that stalks in the darkness nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side, though 10,000 are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. Just open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home, for he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands so that you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. You will trample upon lions and cobras and will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with a long life and give them salvation. Thus says the word of the Lord. But what's it gonna take for our community, for us, 
what do you think it would take for God to get your attention? We're going to look at that this morning. For us, it might be the spread of an infectious disease or a national sense of worry. For Abraham, it was God's direct appearance. So as we open scripture this morning, let's invite the author of scripture to sit down beside us. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this space. Thank you for the time that we have to come and to worship. God, we've come in faith. God, we hear everything that's going on. We want to be wise as serpents and as harmless as doves. God, may you be in this space. Be with those who are watching online today. And as we open up your word, may you sit down beside us, the author of scripture who's showing us the direction that we should go. May we have ears turned to your wisdom and to your voice. And may we learn from you what it takes to get our attention and where we should go after that. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We're picking up our series in Genesis chapter 17. Last week we looked at Genesis chapter 16, looked at the experience of of Hagar, who's the, the handmaid of Sarai, Abram's wife. And we looked at how God is in the midst of struggle, in the midst of pain, and sometimes we can venture out on on our best idea of where to go. God says, no, if you'd only waited for the promise, if you'd waited for the covenant that I would establish for you. And God tells us that even in the face of the unfulfilled promise, we must remain faithful. And even in the face of the unfaithful, we too must remain faithful. We pick up with a little bit of context, Genesis chapter 16, verses, verse 15. So Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram called the name of his son, whom Hagar bore, Ishmael. And Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to him. Imagine that, 86-year-old guy, the promise of a son, the messing around of a guy who's maybe not sure of what God has provided for him. And God honors the promise to honor the son that is born to Abram. But God's got a bigger picture for Abram. He's got something grander, something bigger that he wants Abram to know. We head to verse 17, or chapter 17, Genesis, verse 1. Now when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram. The last time stamp that we have in Abraham's life is when he's 86, And the mathematicians in the room have already figured out it's been 13 years until Abram is 99 that the Lord next appears. Ishmael has now become a man. And God has not provided the chosen son, the promised son, the one that would come from Abram's seed. It's been 13 years since Ishmael was born. And if you go back far enough, it's been 24 years since Abram first came to Canaan the promised land. Have you ever been waiting for a promise? Maybe for over a quarter century for the promise of God and not seen it fulfilled? That was Abraham's life and that was his experience. And, you know, I can imagine Abraham's just kind of, for the first couple years, just kind of chilling. He's waiting for the promise. He's like, yeah, God's going to come through. Yeah, God's going to come through. Year one, yep, God's going to come through. It's got to be this year. It's going to happen. Year two rolls around. Yep, got to be this year, got to happen. Year three, year four, year five, year six, year seven. And it starts to eat away at him again. And the doubts start to creep in. 
At first, Abraham absolutely believed the promise. God had sent Hagar back to Abram and Sarai to declare the blessings of love and acceptance that God had given to her. But that belief initially starts to fade. And after all, I mean, it's been a while, right? It's been a while, God. You you promised. There's this Bible that talks a lot about the second coming. There's this Bible that talks a lot about a God who's, who's coming to seek and to save the lost, a God who's coming to make all things new, uh, God, a God who's supposed to heal, who's not supposed to let these things happen. Uh, Jesus is coming, right? Year after year after year. We can read the promises of God in Scripture, and in some ways we see them fulfilled, and in other ways not quiet yet. We just haven't seen it yet. And it's times like these that we long for the promise. We long for the promise that God has placed in our lives, that Jesus is coming, that healing is coming, that there's going to be a a new kingdom and a place where we're going to live forever. We're not there yet. So what do we do in the midst of the not yet? In the midst of the place where it just seems like everything is burning crashing down around us and we're going to be infected by anything and everything if we just step outside of our homes. What do we do next? Let's look at what God does. Genesis chapter 17, verses 1 and 2. Now, when Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I will establish my covenant between me and you, and I will multiply you exceedingly. Again, in the midst of Abram's doubt, God comes close and reminds him of the promise. Reminds him of the words that God had spoken and said, the promise is coming. I'm going to multiply your generations. I'm going to make my covenant with you. Don't worry. It's coming. In those moments, I imagine Abram is comforted by these words. Because the term there, I am God Almighty, that is the El Shaddai, the God of Genesis and the God of Job, the God, the Almighty, the one who's the God of the promise. And God reminds Abram that he is the Almighty God, the one who's in control, the one who's looking after his life. And God also mentions to Abram, he says, Abram, Things have a little been a little bit difficult in our relationship. There's been multiple times that you've, you've ran out ahead of me and, and, and you've gone a different way than I've gone as, you, as you've tried to follow me. And God says, Abram, walk before me and be blameless. Now this is different than how Enoch and Noah walked with God. When Enoch and Noah walked, they walked with God. It's almost they were step by step, hand in hand with God. God says, no, Abram, You are the father of many, many generations. We've got to make sure that this comes about. I need you to walk before me. I'm going to be your safeguard to fall back on. But step out in faith. Walk in front of me and be blameless. Be the one that's following after my calling, and I will establish my covenant between me and between you. And I think it's then at that point, the most profound moment of the book of Genesis. It's a turning point in the road for Abram. It's a, it's a place where there's no turning back. It's found in Genesis chapter 17, verse 3. Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him. 
think it's such a beautiful passage of scripture that we, we often jump to the promises that God is giving. But as God shows up and is in front of Abram, Abraham lays straight out face to the dust. And God begins a conversation with him. Imagine in our time of need and the state that our country is in and our community and all those, what if we as a people of God, as an Elevate family, came together before God and laid ourselves flat out before the Almighty? You know, it's really hard to check your Twitter feed or your news feed when your nose is in the carpet of your living room. It's really hard to see anything else going on in the world when you're face down, flat out, pouring yourself out to God. Everything else just starts to disappear from sight. And the presence of the Almighty, the El Shaddai, the God of the promise, is coming close to you. And I think it's such a beautiful picture of the relationship that God desires beyond anything else that to have a relationship with us that's real and that's meaningful. And what better time than in the next few weeks as schools are extending spring breaks and some employers are saying, hey, stay home, work from home, take a little bit more time off. What if we use that time to follow the example of Abram and when God shows up in our life, we fall flat down on our face and have a conversation with God. And here's the conversation that Abram and God have. It's, it's in the presence of God that they're able, that Abram is able to, to pour out his heart. And in, the words of Abraham aren't necessarily recorded, but I imagine this is a dialogue and God is trying to open and share this beautiful picture of a promise with Abram. We pick it back up in Genesis 17, verse 4. As for me, behold, my covenant is with you and you will be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but you shall be Abraham, for I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. Verse 6. I have made you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations out of you, and kings will come forth from you. Verse 7. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your, you and your descendants after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your descendants after you. And finally, verse 8. I will give to you and to your descendants after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. God comes and has this conversation with Abram and he, he breaks it open and he tells him, man, I want to fulfill my covenant promise to you. I am going to remain faithful no matter what happens in the world. I want to fulfill that covenant promise to you. Genesis chapter 17, verse 5. Abram goes to Abraham. And for us in English, it's like, okay, yeah, Abram, Abraham, it makes sense. Name change, we're moving on. Abraham got a new identity. We're all okay, good to go. But we haven't truly understood the meaning of the words that are ascribed as the names of Abram and Abraham. Abram in its original tongue in Hebrew means exalted father, meaning that he was the guy, the exalted father, according to our, his peers around him, the other people in his region, he was looked at as the one who was exalted above others. God says, I've got a bigger picture. This is bigger than who you are. I'm going to name you, name you Abraham, which means father of a multitude, father of a generation, father of nations. God says, Abram, I, I've got to shift your perspective. You're so worried about this son that I've promised to you that it's so much bigger than that. Yes, Isaac is coming. But you, Abraham, have the opportunity to influence thousands upon millions upon billions of people as you follow after me. 
And just as truly as Abram's name is changed to Abraham in this passage, that rings forward to our current present day generation that we can claim Abraham as our father, pointing to God the Father, that we are truly descendants of the one as he was wandering from the known to the unknown, the one who chose to follow after God. It's also in Genesis chapter 17, verse 7, God makes this promise. He says, I'll establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants. And it echoes back to the very beginning of Genesis. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, that I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. And you look at the original language, the inflections are a little bit changed to give it different meaning, but the root words are the same. God is giving the anti-curse He gave this as a curse that there would be enmity between us, between the serpent and sin. And he comes to Abraham and he's saying, there's enmity there. There's this disconnection between you and evil. But between me and you, there's this connection. There's this attractiveness, this magnetism that's going to be drawing me and you together. God is opening this up to Abraham. They continue to talk. They talk about the sign of the covenant. Genesis chapter 17, verses 9 through 14. God said further to Abraham, Now as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you throughout the generations. Next verse. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised, and you will be uh, you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be the sign of the covenant between me and you. And every male among you who is eight days old shall be circumcised throughout your generations. A servant who is born in your house or is brought with money from any foreigner who is not of your descendants. Continuing on. A servant who is born in your house or who is bought with your money shall surely be circumcised, and thus shall my covenant be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. Verse 14. But an uncircumcised male who is not circumcised is the flesh of his fore, in the flesh of his foreskin. That person shall be cut off from his people, and he has broken a covenant. That's deep. Not going to go into the anatomy and physiology of what circumcision is. But the point is, is that God is placing his mark upon Abram, upon Abraham now. He's saying, you are going to be my person. And in the ancient Near East, circumcision was a practice that was practiced by many other nations. But God is reclaiming it for his purposes. This is, Abram, as you are circumcised, that's a sign between me and you that we're in this together. And that I'm promising to take care of you no matter where you go. I will be the God who provides for you. And this is, you know, really serious business when you talk about circumcision for Abraham at the age of 99. It's incredible to think about what the pain that he went through. But to think about how he was reminded of God's promise to him and his faithfulness. And note in this passage, God first asks Abram to pledge himself to the master before he secondarily pledges himself to a way of life. In Christianity, oftentimes we talk about the checklist and the do's and don'ts of a way of life that we have to keep. Adventism is filled with all these amazing, wonderful traditions that keep us honest. But God says, first, I'm establishing my covenant and my promise with you. I need you to remain faithful to me, and I will remain faithful to you. Secondarily to that, the relationship that we have one another will then flow over into a life well lived in service to me. But first, you're pledging your allegiance to me as the master. And their conversation 
continues on, verse 15 and 16. Sarai is not left out. Then God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. In verse 16. I will bless her, and indeed I will give you a son by her. Then I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. God turns from Abraham to Sarah, not leaving her out, elevating her status to be equal with Abraham. We talk about Abraham being the father of many nations. Father Abraham, amen. He's not, right? We sing this song. I, I'm always beyond me how that song has nothing to do with the, the, the actions that you do have nothing to do with the lyrics. Um, but that's okay. It's a great way to teach kids about Abraham. God changes Sarah's name. He says, you're going to be the mother of many nations. And Sarai means my princess. Imagine Abraham, the original, like, ladies man, the original gentleman, right, calling Sarai my princess. God says, I want to change your name from my princess to the princess, the father of many nations and the princess. God elevates Sarah's position, bestows the promise upon her as equally as he did to Abraham. And it's difficult these days that sometimes our church and our world struggles with the issue of sexism. And God in this point breaks it totally open. He says, Abraham and Sarah are equal. They are both receiving the same portion of the promise this point, apparently Abraham had gotten up in his conversation with God because his next move in Genesis 17, then Abraham fell on his face and laughed. And he said in his heart, will a child be born to a man who is 100 years old and will Sarah, his, uh, who is 90 years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. He's looking out for Ishmael, the son that was born outside of the promise, and he, and he laughs, and he's, this doubt is creeping back in because in his mind, God's going to make a way for Ishmael to be the promised son. God says, no, 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 that's not how this is going to work, Abraham. I've got bigger plans for you. He continues the conversation, Genesis 17, 19 through 22. But God said, no, Sarah, your wife, will bear you a son. And you shall call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. Verse 20. As for Ishmael, I haven't forgot about him. I have heard you. Behold, I will bless him and will make him fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly. He shall become the father of 12 princes, and I will make him a great nation. Verse 21. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you at this season next year. When he had finished talking with him, God went up. From Abraham. It's God that initiates the conversation and God that ends the conversation. He says, Abraham, you're laughing now. You don't have faith now. You're doubting now. But my promises are true. Next year, Isaac will be born to you. And it's in that moment that Abraham's approach to his relationship with God changes. It's in verses 23 and 24 of Genesis chapter 17. Then Abraham took Ishmael, his son, and all the servants who were born in his house, and all who were brought with, bought with his money, every male among them of Abraham's household, and circumcised the flesh of their foreskin in the very same day as God had said to him. Verse 24. Now Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. That very same day, 
The same day that God renews his promise and his covenant faithfulness with Abraham, Abraham says, all right, I'm done messing around. God, I'm going to follow you today what you've laid out before me. I'm going to commit myself to you today. As our praise team joins me back up on stage to sing our final two songs. Don't want you to miss that it's in this conversation that Abraham has with God that he gets a name change, he gets a heart change, and he gets a notarized promise. In the midst of our frantic movements and concerns over a global pandemic and what's to come in the future, what would God say to us if we stopped and placed ourselves in the form of submission? What would it look like for us as a community in the perilous times that we live in to bow down before the Father and say, God, we long for a conversation with you. We're going to set aside what we're hearing from media and set aside that for a time. God, we're longing to hear what you have to say. What's the mission of the church in a time that we live in like today? What do I do as a person who's following God? How do I reach out to the people around us? How do I err on the side of kindness? And how do I stay faithful to the promise that God has given to my life? God's promises are faithful. He, he over and over again with Abraham, he gives him chance after chance to realize the promise. Abraham's going to mess up again. We're going to look at that in a couple weeks. But God remains faithful to his promise. So I encourage you this morning to ask yourself this question. What would God talk with you about if you stopped long enough to listen? What if at this time you said, God, okay, I have this crazy world around. What if I just stopped for a moment? Say, God, what are you asking me to do? What's the promise that you're trying to sing over my life, that you're trying to bring into my life in a very, very real, real way? What's the promise? I invite you this week to experience God. Set aside, set aside the news feed, set aside the social media for a moment. Don't be misinformed. But ask God and pursue a stance of worship and hearing in his sight. Seek him in the midst of the trial. Because it's the hope that we have in God that can keep us going as a community and as a body of believers who are trusting in God this day. What would God say to you if you stopped for a moment and asked for him what he's speaking to you? last thought. I'm going to share two texts. I'll sing one last song and we'll leave. Put up on the screen for you Romans chapter 4 and we'll start in verse 20. We can jump to verse 20. Yet with respect to the promise of God talking about Abraham, Paul's bringing this home. He did not waver in unbelief but grew strong in faith giving glory to God. Verse 21. And being fully assured that what God had promised he was able also to perform. Don't know what struggles you're facing this week. As a nation, we're certainly facing something together. But lastly, Jesus leaves us with this, these words before he heads to the cross in John chapter 16, verse 32 and 33. Behold, an hour is coming and has already come for you to be scattered, each to his own home, and to leave me alone. And yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. The key verse, verse 33. These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace searching for peace this week. In the world, you have tribulation. 
full stop. That's it's gonna happen. But take courage. I have overcome the world. This week, what's it gonna take for God to get your attention? When he does, remember that no matter what's happening in your life, he is the one who's overcome and he's gonna take you through whatever you're going through. Thank you so much for listening. You know, 25 years is a long time to wait for something. That is like a third of our lives. Our microwave society doesn't really know how to wait a week for something. As time goes by, we start to doubt that maybe we got things wrong. Maybe we believe the wrong thing if we're not seeing things right away. But maybe we need to think of it more like a plant growing. You don't sit there and actually see the growth. But over time, you do see it. Maybe sometimes it's about denying ourselves that satisfaction of beholding the change and just kind of stay the course that God is going to come through and just get busy doing what he already wants us to do that we know he wants us to do. Uh, But we need to protect ourselves from like that hyper focus when maybe some of God's promises, we need to just kind of have them simmering on the back burner of our minds until the right time and not just be hyper focused on them every day. You know, Abraham and Sarah would have saved the world a lot of pain and war and strife if they had trusted God at the very beginning. And I believe if we can learn to trust God at the very beginning, (laughs) we can save ourselves a lot of pain and heartache too. I like how Pastor Gibson put it. Uh, What do you do in your not yet? What would you like to see yourself do? So get this, by virtue of our names, the names that we have been given in Christ Jesus, a forgiven child of God, This is so much evidence of what he is going to do for you. If you are a child of God, you've got some good things coming. Good question for yourself then is, what are you going to do in your not yet? Thanks so much for listening to Elevate Retake. Elevate Retake, it's recorded weekly at Keene Church. Our audio is captured by Blake Snyder and Isaac Chang. Our sound design and editing are done by Shane Miosi and Inspire Productions. Our executive producers are Michael Gibson and Jonathan Coker. Our team includes Evelyn Elanis, Candice McCormick, Isa Manu, Semu Sialoga, and Alethea Galvin. Special thanks to Danae Sanji and 88.3 The Journey. Stay connected. You can find Elevate on Instagram and Facebook at This Is Elevate TX. Currently, our services are live streamed every Saturday morning at 10:15 a.m. on the Keen Church YouTube page. We'd love to have you join us. There is always room for one more.